I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. everyone this is the bless your boys podcast blessyourboys.com is your home for all things detroit tigers baseball on the sb nation platform i'm your host brandon day with me my co-host ashley mcclennan ashley how's it going tonight not bad not bad well the tigers won that was good they did they broke their losing streak yep 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 went in there took down the mighty phillies um i don't know spencer turnbull i didn't get to see that much of that outing but uh continues to impress (laughs) He sure did hit a couple people. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been pretty good about that. He's a little scary to face, I imagine, because he's throwing like seventy percent fastballs, like three different types, and hitting people and it's moving all over the place. I believe Jack Morris used the phrase "effectively wild," which is always fun when it pops up in discussion. Oh, that is. It's also also a fine podcast as well. Yes, absolutely, it is. <laughs> I think that's why it makes me giggle every time. Yeah, when I think when I hear the phrase "effectively wild," now I actually think of Ben Lindbergh's face. As you should. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. what a delightful thing to have come up. He's such a he has such a nice face. He's such a nice boy. <laughs> he does he does kind of remind me of like that nice college boy that you would bring home and introduce to your parents. Yeah, like he went to Dartmouth and he had like a cardigan collection by the time he was like thirteen and such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a fine young man. I bet he kicked ass in the science fair. Says says ma'am to everyone, ma'am oh. and sir. <laughs> yep, no doubt. Uh, yeah, and we're both big fans of his book, uh, what is it, The Only Rule Is It Has to Work. That was super, uh, super good. Yes, it's an excellent book. Yep, but, um, yeah, so Spencer Turnbull, unfortunately, has, has kind of stabilized at least one spot in the rotation. Uh, Matt Boyd pitched really well again on Sunday, even though he was outdueled by Ronaldo Lopez, who suddenly found his command and struck out, like, everyone, like, 50 times or something. I think he had 14 of the White Sox 20 strikeouts. Yeah. Yep. So that was a bonkers day and goes right back. And I remember in, it was May 2016, uh, when Max Scherzer and um, oh, Jordan yeah. Zimmerman had their rematch in Washington and Scherzer single-handedly struck out 20 Tigers. Yeah, he oh, did. That was a way more fun game to watch, let me tell you. It was, like, it was horrifying for a while. And then as you just kind of kept watching that game, I was like, holy shit. Like, Max, oh, Max Scherzer is pitching out of his mind just wanted him to hit 21 because then it would break the record yeah yeah that was incredible uh, what a good game i think i actually re-watched that game later on even though i knew the tigers lost didn't one of didn't somebody homer in that game too like we did get like a home run and it was the only hit i can't even, i can't even bring it all back to, to memory at this point without looking i think you are correct yeah that was that was a weird game um ronaldo lopez is not max scherzer but uh but he does have really good stuff and um it just seemed like he he just located everything for once which he normally doesn't do, and man, they could not touch him. He was dominating them. But, you know, on the flip side, Matt Boyd was dominating them, um, for the most part. <laughs> had a little rough go in the first inning, uh, had a little trouble, but uh, but other than that, Matt Boyd just kind of continues to roll right along, so that's been, that's been a positive. Yeah, I think at this point we can say that's not a fluke, and that's just kind of how he's going to be this season, which is a really nice thing to see. Yeah, like you kind of figure like he'll blow up at some point, like he'll have his rough outings, but I think we're kind of past the point where he like goes in the tank for two months after looking awesome. It seems like he's really kind of figured it all out, so. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and of course the sad part about that is that, you know, the the trade talk is already is already kicking in, and I don't know how I feel about that. I guess I do know how I feel about it. I just, I just, they, they can't trade him unless they get somebody, like, one hell of a good prospect, like a Wander Franco-type prospect, and I just don't think anybody's going to quite want to give that up, do you? No, I don't think so, and I think we've had, I mean, we've talked about this too, right? Like, I think you and I are both of the opinion that the Tigers aren't going to get the kind of, like, return on Matt Boyd that they need in order for that to be a worthwhile trade, and should therefore just not even bother. 
Yeah, that, that's basically how I feel as well. Like, they can listen, but, I mean, it has to be somebody great. Like, even, like, a, a good, like, you know, ranked in the, like, 50th or something like that, you know, middle infield prospect. That's, not, that's just not good enough um, to, to really bother with. And, you know, I know people out there will be like, oh, but he'll just get injured like all pitchers do. And I just don't care. Like, pitchers get injured. That's that's the natural course of things. And that's actually an argument for keeping Matt Boyd, even if he does get injured. Because you need all these guys. Because you could bet that almost any year, one of your five or six best pitchers is going to go down, if not, like, three of them. So, like we have right now. Yeah. <laughs> of all of our pitchers, basically. Knockwood, that we don't have another Daniel Norris injury, but... Yep. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, Jordan Zimmerman is out. We talked about this a little bit last week. You know, Jordan Zimmerman now out. Blaine Hardy out. Obviously, Fulmer and Matt Moore are gone. Um, the Tigers have four starters and they've kind of lucked into the sort of it doesn't it doesn't feel lucky. But uh, but they've sort of lucked into a point in the schedule where they don't even need a fifth starter for like another. Oh, I don't even know. It's like eight or it's like almost like 10 days, I think. Like they can go through the rotation twice and not have to worry about the, the fifth spot, which is just a blessing, because there's nobody to call up, really. <laughs> I almost feel like this is my fault for writing an article about how the Tigers should take advantage of all of their delightful pitching depth for once in their lives, and then they lost it all. Yep, yep, it's true. It, it's certainly your fault. <laughs> it is. I believe that. I believe that this is like the universe mocking me for six suggesting that the Tigers try something new and interesting. Yep, yep, I know. How dare they? Like, they're, they're just not equipped. They're not equipped to handle it. Like, the forces that you unleashed, I think, might be too much for the brain power in the yeah. uh, in the front office at this point. It was like opening the, whatever, the, the thing in the Indiana Jones. Oh, my God. Yeah. The thing with the thing that killed all the Nazis. Yeah, I mean, the, that arc thingy? The Ark the, of the, the Covenant, <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Pop, pop culture references. I am young and hip. Referencing a movie from 1980-something. That's right. We'll call it a biblical reference, and then we'll sound more intelligent. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. But, yeah, I mean, it just... I'm very tired. I yeah. have learned by recording this episode that I can wear my hoodie up over my headphones. Very <laughs> yeah. Well, I know and you've been getting up early to write now too. So yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah. that's a tough schedule to manage for sure. But yeah, I mean, it just comes back to, you know, what, what we've kind of been talking about all off season ever since the Tigers started rebuilding, like they decided to build with pitching and, you know, at a certain point, like, that's just the way it is. Like you committed to that. Like you have to commit, you have to kind of follow through. Like it doesn't make any sense to start building up all this pitching depth in the minors, and you've got some, you know, you've got Matt Boyd figuring it out. You've got Spencer Turnbull, you know, figuring it out. Hopefully, um, at least being effective. You got Daniel Norris back. Like, okay, that that can work. And now you have to figure out a way to address the hitting side of things. But the way to address the hitting side of things isn't to immediately like strip out the pitching again and and start the whole goddamn process over. Um, they've already completely screwed up the Nick Castellanos situation. Should have extended him two years ago, didn't. Like the whole like we've gone on and on about that. I'm sure nobody wants to hear about it anymore. But you know, I mean that that part of it is over. So you've lost a bat there. And, you know, what are you gonna do? Like we saw Casey Mize and we'll 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 talk about Casey Mize quite a bit, probably, but Casey Mize throws a no hitter yesterday. Uh, Matt Manning kind of melted down in the sixth inning today, but before that was just absolutely owning Altoona as well. And you can see like the future of the rotation there. But um, but you also can't see where it's all going to line up to where they have the they have the bats and the pitching kind of all coming at the same time, and you've got some veterans to guide the young guys. Like it's just man, making this all kind of all come together at the same point is going to be real tricky. I don't know how they're going to do that. Yeah, I don't either, and it's yeah, it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know I see people on Twitter like talking about how oh well now you know you can give. Nick Castellanos the qualifying offer and you know you'll get a, a pick out of it no that's not gonna work like don't stop thinking that because everybody who's gotten the qualifying offer who wasn't like Bryce Harper and Manny Machado over the past two years has sat on the shelf waiting all off season long because nobody wants to give up that pick to sign you that's why you're seeing all the extensions and I don't think that I mean I know we discussed this last week when we said that the class of players next season isn't quite the same caliber yeah not really at all like, yeah. It, I don't know that he's going to get the kind of offer anyway. Yeah, just because there's no Manny Machado or Bryce Harper and, you know, Nolan Arenado signed his extension this year, so he won't be a free agent next year, and there isn't a star, 
Like, it doesn't mean teams are going to come out there and just give Nick Castellanos $100 million, like, you know, whatever Scott Boris, you know, thinks he's going to get. So, I mean, the likelihood is that if the Tigers, you know, tried to do that, they would fail. And so that leaves them with trading him away for, you know, whatever meager return they're going to end up getting. And it's probably going to be pretty, pretty meager, I would assume. Uh, it's hard to imagine them, you know, after what they got back for J.D. Martinez, it's hard to imagine Nick Castellanos bringing very much back. No, it's true. Now, I mean, maybe they can package him with Shane Green, I don't know, or something like that. Like, Shane Green looked awesome tonight, but I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty skeptical of the whole situation. I'm not I'm not a happy camper with how all that's gone. So even though the farm system, yeah, things are going, you know, reasonably well down there. Um, I don't know. It, it feels like we're getting further away as much as we are getting closer. So, I don't know. Two steps forward, one step back? Yeah, you know, like, you know, and I've also seen people saying, like, oh, well, they can decide, you know, I mean, just because, you know, He's going to go to free agency doesn't mean the Tigers can't sign him back. But yeah, but yeah, you know, you're going to pay twice as much because he's a Scott Boris client. You goofs like you should have signed him two years ago. You probably got him for like six years, 50 million. Now he's going to now he's going to want 15 million a year. And we're going to have to hear Scott Boris go on and on about the swag and, you know, the experience. Leadership. Yeah. Nick, Nick, Nick Castellanos came up into the crucible when he was just 22 on a playoff team with superstars everywhere and held his own and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, you know, I'll just put out a call just in case Scott Boris happens to listen to our podcast. If you want me to write copy for you, Scott, I I can do it. I would be perfectly happy to bullshit on Nick Castellanos behalf. But yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing is frustrating. You know, Nick Castellanos, we both said this. Like, you know, Nick Castellanos is a good player, and he's a good hitter. And, you know, maybe even has a little more in him as far as a hitter. But we know he's not a great player. It's just that you don't have even good hitting prospects coming up behind him. There's like two, maybe three if we're lucky. So, I don't know. I don't know where they're going to come up with all this. Hopefully, uh, they can trade Shane Green for something, and they draft a awesome college bat. And, I don't know, something, something profit. <laughs> Something, something. I like it. I like <laughs> it. You should be in the front office. <laughs> yep. Question mark, question mark, question mark, profit. Yep, yep, exactly. So, yeah, um, we had Nico Goodrum hit another home run tonight. There is one piece, at least, that, the, you know, they've managed to kind of pull out of their backsides. Um, Nico seems like he's going to be good and useful for the years to come, so that's nice. Oh, I love Nico. Me too. Nico's becoming a fan favorite real Send fast. Nico. Yeah, I know. So lock Nico up right now. Although he's like, what, 20, 27 already? <laughs> I don't even care, man. Extend Nico Goodrum. <laughs> we want him forever. That's all we have. <laughs> all he jerks will give us, so give it to us for a while at least. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's just the way this, I mean, it's only been like a month, but the season already feels like it's been long with like all kinds of like, you know, dis- distinct kind of sections. Like there was the hot start and then... There was everybody got injured, and then there was the pitching started getting injured, and now we're, you know, and then it was like, oh, we're still in, like, the who are these scrubs phase. There's, like, Harold Castro out there, and Ronnie Rodriguez is, you know, playing second base and shortstop, and Brandon Dixon's out there, and Gordon Beckham is playing every day for a while. It's like, what, what in the crap is going on? <laughs> but now we seem to have moved on to the, we have now, like, we're starting to, you know, Jordy Mercer came back, Kristen Stewart's going to come back. But now we have no starting pitching, and apart from Shane Green and Joe Jimenez, the bullpen, I don't know. I don't know what's going on down there anymore, either. It's problems. Yeah, it's... Uh, Joe Jimenez looked really good tonight. I was actually very impressed. Yeah. Yep. I, you know, we were kind of talking about him, and I, so I went and did the, the deep dive, and he's actually... Um, his fastball and slider both have better movement this year than they did last year, actually. Um, he's really getting a lot of um, riding life and and tail both on the fastball and the slider has more depth. So you know if people are out there worrying about him, I mean you can worry about him, but it's mostly just been command. Like I think he just grooved a pitch or two, you know, at the wrong time, got beat, and sometimes relievers' numbers kind of look all skewy early in the season. So he was obviously walking people and not hitting his spots, but hopefully that'll that'll settle back down because the stuff still looks fantastic and. Shane Green, uh, Shane Green just unstoppable when there's a safe situation right now. Yeah, he's been looking really good, too. Like, very reliable. Yep. Yeah, and just doing a lot of neat things. Like, he can start you out with, like, a bunch of two-seamers and, and locate those and swing them back over the plate. But if he's not if he's not locating it, he'll just throw cutter, slider, cutter, slider. And it just seems like neither one of those pitches is very hittable. So... You see a lot of bad, a lot of bad, bad swings. Like, Cesar Hernandez looked totally baffled. 
I don't know. Mikel Franco had had nothing. So yeah, it was uh, it was good to see him wrap up the Phillies. Um, we got to see Bryce Harper like stagger all over the place on a like literally fall on his face at one point. That was delightful. Yeah, like he was running toward the line and he and he didn't realize there was enough spin on the ball, I guess, to bring it back into the field. And then he had to like turn and run back and fell on his face. And he actually had the ball and fell on his face and it popped out. Um, and he was getting booed. Like it's a weird it's a weird situation in Philly. <laughs> I don't. I don't think about Philly, but weird shit. like they booed the Tigers for not, not doing a <laughs> review play. <laughs> Very peculiar evening. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there, there's just there's nothing like a Philly crowd. I guess you know, like the Yankees fans are, are a certain way, and Boston fans, but Philly is Philly. There's something special there. There's a there's a a passion and a, a blunt, stupid rage in the Philly fan base that just impresses me every time. <laughs> They are they are there to get their money's worth one way or the other, and uh, they will take a pound of flesh if they can't get the win. Plus, they had to sit in the rain for a while. They were just irate. Yeah, yeah, it was just it was just all kind of a weird. Uh, and you know, the whole month has been weird. I mean, I don't know what the weather's been like up in Winnipeg, but like it, we, it snowed. Did the it? Last two days. Yeah. So, like, yay. Okay, so pretty much just it's the same thing. Like we had three nice sunny days all April, and then every other day it's been cloudy and pouring rain. And we had snow one night last week, and yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it just doesn't want to just doesn't want to turn over. Yeah, I saw somebody post a graphic of like Chicago seasons, and it, it seemed pretty apt for what we were all going through, where it was just like it was winter, and then full spring, and then <laughs> second winter, and then spring of deception, and then third winter, which is where we are right now. And then real spring is next. Oh, so I think we're almost there. Well, that's good that we got we've gotten all the way through because yeah, yeah third, I, third I've had winter it. Is ending. Yeah, well, that's a very habity way to look at it. I like that. Oh yeah, exactly. For some reason, I don't know what it is, but like um, Game of Thrones has has brought the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings back to my mind like really prominently over the last week. I don't know. I never really thought well, that much right. about I the mean, comparisons, but there's been lots of talk about the Battle of Helm's Deep. And then I think the other day we were talking to to Rob, and he was just like, "Are there dragons in Lord of the Rings?" And we were both like, "A Hobbit," and and he got saucy with us. No, but there's so, giant eagles in the Lord of the Rings, bro. Yeah, giant Deus ex machina eagles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you got your Deus ex machina red woman. You got your, you know, you got to have one. I guess it's just just part of fantasy, apparently. Deus ex Melisandre. Yeah. We're not gonna get too deep into the I know. spoilers. Don't worry, you guys. I know. I I, would, I could do an, an entire episode just on Game of Thrones, but we will turn away. We'll turn away from that. I believe there are podcasts dedicated to that. There are, and I've heard some really bad ones, and I I'm really mad at everyone's Daenerys's takes, so including yours. <laughs> I, you're just mad because I'm super over Danny, and that's fine. No, it's okay yeah. to be. It's okay to be over. I mean, I'm kind of over the show a little bit. Like you just kind of know, like they can't. There's just no way to like wrap this up. You know, it's three just, episodes left. I don't know, man. I think they'll do it. I think they'll have... Well, they will, but there's so many loose threads. I mean, it just goes on and on with the loose threads that they just kind of had to just let, you know, let go by the wayside because there's only so much time, so... Yeah. yeah. That's just the way it goes. The ending of things is always tough. I haven't even seen Endgame, Avengers Endgame yet, but I've, I've heard from a lot of people that they were just sort of like, yeah, it was good. But there's yeah, all... man, I thought it was the perfect conclusion to that whole 11-year stretch. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. That's I actually the was... best review I've heard. I've had a lot of people who sounded depressed, honestly. No, I left feeling very, very satisfied with how they wrapped things up. There were some things that got glossed over, but I, th- I like the way they set things up for some characters to have new futures, and they like just really closed the chapter on a bunch of other ones really beautifully hmm. okay. um, in a very satisfying way. So, yeah, I thought it was a really good conclusion. I thought the Rousseaus did a really good job. Okay. All right. I feel better then. I'm going to go see it tomorrow after work. So, yeah. Awesome. I'm going to get there. I can't, I can't be in this weird bubble where I have to, like, look away every time I see anything Avengers looking. Yeah, don't. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I think people have been really respectful about endgame spoilers, but, like, somebody else pointed out that Game of Thrones is just, like, its own. It's just, like, you have to to look away yeah like it's everywhere yeah it's inescapable yeah i think that's true though i think that like i think the way the tv and i used to complain about people who live tweeted um tv shows oh yeah because it made me crazy but i think that's just (laughs) the way society is now like it's a universal event that's happening live 
Yeah. We would live tweet the Oscars as they happen. Nobody's going to scream at you for spoilers for saying who won the best picture. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think we've learned to adapt to understanding that like live TV is its own sort of sporting event of a kind. Yeah, it's hard to think. Yeah, it's hard to take it any other way. Because this would, yeah. if if we had had social media back in the eighties, like you know when J.R. Ewing got shot on Dallas yeah. and that kind of thing, like that, it, it would have been the same. So yeah. But like, you can't get mad at somebody for live tweeting a baseball game. You can't be like, I don't want to know the score of the Red Sox Yankees game until I get to watch it on DVR later. Like, then <laughs> yeah. Stay off the internet. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, if you don't want to know, don't look. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where we've ended up. But I like that people are being mostly respectful about end game spoilers. I think for big movies like that, it's a little bit more of a, a yeah. time frame. Yeah, it's just tricky because it, it would almost be nice if. <laughs> If there was a if there was a way to like block it out on all these social media sites where you could just because it's hard not to you know like oh all right so I have to wait like a week before I can have all these discussions and I start forgetting things and you know it's like you want to yeah. start talking immediately but you do have to hold it out yeah so yeah I don't know I, I need to see Avengers though because yeah I just I don't like being in this position I don't I don't like <laughs> being in the spot where like I don't <laughs> know what happened tomorrow tomorrow you can rejoin the world of pop culture. All right. That's a good feeling. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let's talk Casey Mize. Yeah, let's talk Casey Mize. Um, I don't know. You you didn't get a chance to see any of that, right? You don't have minor league TV or anything, do you? I had minor league. I had MILB TV last season, but not once did I use it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I decided to not get that extended package this year, and now I hate myself. Yeah, um, you're in so kind I of a weird... Yeah, you're in a weird spot where I would almost like rather have that and not have MLB TV. But you need you need a MLB TV. You've got to have that. I need that. MLB TV. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no other way for me to watch baseball. Yeah. Uh, and I realized today, um, <laughs> because the password for my um, MLB TV account has a year in it, <laughs> like without any more. <laughs> I realized just how long I have had the same MLB TV account that I share with my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> and, like, it's kind of disconcerting how long we've been using the exact same account. Because we have the year we, the, we, have the year we got it in the, the password. And, yeah, it's been a while. Oh, uh, that's funny to, like, have to confront, like, an, well, it's funny might not be the perfect term, but, like, to have to confront like your an old relationship through like all the terms of agreement that, that, that are still ongoing yeah as far as like Thankfully, I mean, who's like, paying for whiz yeah i lovingly refer to as my baseball husband yeah you guys are good obviously yeah, yeah we're on very good terms we like go to see games every year we're going on a baseball road trip this year we did one last year um we they split the cost of the mlb tv and we both use it so but it's just funny to realize that like we've had that account way longer than we had our relationship oh yeah oh that is funny yeah <laughs> the account is very much like lived seven times longer <laughs> than we actually did which is sort of hilarious oh that is good yeah i mean i i guess i kind of have to have both just for like cutting gifts and looking back at things and stuff but um but yeah it's it's days like it, it's times like right now where the eerie sea wolves have casey mize matt manning and alex fiedo going like back to back to back um that that's just a hell of a rotation at you know at the double a level and probably you could take mize and manning and put them in the major leagues and they'd be effective especially mize like manning still needs more more refinement he's the younger less experienced one of that group but um but probably has the best the best overall stuff in a certain way too so i don't know watching those guys has been really impressive but the thing that was weird about that casey mize start is i came in in the like late in the third inning watching him and I didn't see more than, like, two or three fastballs, like, the next inning and a half. Oh, no, he said he gave up his fastball real early. Like, yeah. Real early in the outing, he said. And he even said after the after the game, he was like, my fastball command was basically for shit. Like, he, he was obviously a lot more polished. 
challenged than I am. Um, he's like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's the worst it's been all year. Um, I realized right away that there was just no way that that was going to work. Um, and I think he said that like Jake Rogers really got a feel for him right away and like seemed to understand that the fastball was not going to be the way to go. Yeah, which is cool because I mean, they, uh, you know, Jake Rogers caught him probably a couple times this spring. But, uh, but that was his first start, you know, there. He'd, he'd only been there a couple days. And to see them work that well together was, was pretty awesome. But, yeah, um, that was a really positive. Like, that feedback alone I thought was really good because, I mean, since this has happened, like, since, I guess, what's Tuesday? No, it's Tuesday for while we're recording this. So Monday, this will be Wednesday when we release this. Yeah. Time! <laughs> um, so after this happened on Monday, I think I've gotten more questions directed at me about Casey Mize than like any other player yeah. ever yep. in the minors. Yep. And people are like, what are they going to do with Mize? And I'm like, if they're smart, they won't move him. Yeah. <laughs> like they're going to, like, I'm like, if they are, if they have an ounce of intelligence, they'll just leave him in Erie this year and then start him in Toledo next year and just wait. Like there's no point in rushing him to the majors, in my opinion, when you have a team that's not even going to start looking at competing until 2021 or 2022. Yeah. The problem, though, of course, is that ah, you have to do what's best for the player, too. So it's sort of it's always like kind of a kind of a catch 22 when you're in this situation, because, yeah, you don't you don't want to rush him up um, at all. Like you want to bring him up exactly when it, it's like the timing is right, because you don't have any incentive to like need him you know this year certainly but by the same token like you have to push guys and if he's just going to go down there and this is the same thing with manning if they're just blowing people away it's harder to learn things like it's harder for coaches to make an impression on the player that you know they've really got to focus and like work on this other pitch or work on this part of their game because you know they're like yeah well no one can hit me dude so like what are you talking about So, but I also think it's too early for us to make that assessment after one. Yeah, that I agree with. Yeah, I like, think people shouldn't expect him to come out and like strike out ten and give up like one hit next time and, and it just be like that. Like he'll get well, he'll get hit. Ron, Ron Gardenhire today was just like, I don't think he's gonna have a no hitter every night. <laughs> yeah, that was and his I'm comment. Like, well, no, well, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I think that this was a it was it was possibly the best worst case. It was like the, the yeah. worst, best thing that could happen in his first outing, because now people are like, he's untouchable. Just bring him to Detroit right now. And I'm like, let's calm down. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, I mean, I don't think the Tigers will be swayed by anybody in, in on that front. But yeah, I mean, it, it was almost like too much too soon in a, in a certain sense. But, you know, that that's just how it goes. Like the fan base needs something to be excited about so much that I, I can understand why they kind of promoted it. You know, why the Tigers were, like, releasing video and, you know, allowed the Erie Seawolves to release, like, yeah. a press conference video and all that. Um, but, yeah, you don't you don't want to get ahead of yourselves. For me, I, I honestly think Casey Mize probably should be at Toledo already. Um, like, maybe he should be there later on this year, and that's that's perfectly fine. But, he, I mean, he just watching him, he's he looks, like, better than a lot of major league pitchers that you see pretty regularly already. Um, and, th- and that was without his fastball. And that was the weird thing about watching him is that it almost felt like something was wrong <laughs> because you're not seeing very many fastballs. And it's just sort of like, ah, you know, everything's like kind of moving, you know, weird. And it's like, is that the cutter? And then like he's throwing balls in the dirt and you're like, oh, yeah. man, he pulled that fat. And then you're like, oh, no, that was the splitter. And that's why that dude whiffed over it. Um, he doesn't look like, you know, your prototypical power right handed starter, even though he was still hitting like 96, 97 when he did throw the fastball. He just was just missing by a little bit too. Like as harsh, harsh as he was like, on himself about the fastball command, he wasn't missing very badly. Um, you know, like a lot of guys would have looked at that and been like, oh, you know, my fastball wasn't, you know, I wasn't quite spotting it, but it wasn't, you know, it was all right. It was effective. He wasn't that way at all. And, and you got to really like, like how, you know, um, harsh in his assessment he was of himself, like right after a no hitter, like giving out credit to Jake Rogers and the no defense. Too, which is yeah. Part about it, like, yep. oh my God. Yep. Talk about efficiency yep. when you get out there and you have your first start with like the double A team and you throw an effing Maddox no hitter. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And just um, like locating the splitter too. Like, you just don't see that where guys throw splitters for strikes and don't hang them. Like, they were all either at the bottom of the zone or they were on the plate and the slider, you know, he was spotting that to both sides of the plate. It wasn't just like he was throwing the stuff up there like, oh, well, this, you know, the movement's enough. 
No, they were all located too. So when he decided to get rid of the fastball and just not really use it very much, he still had three kick-ass weapons that he was spotting. Um, it was it was pretty impressive. I was, I mean, considering like he didn't have the fastball, I was like, man. So yeah, that that was pretty awesome. But um, but yeah, obviously the hype machine has kicked into high gear, and you know, oh, is Casey Mize the best you know prospect in baseball? Is Casey Mize the best pitching prospect in baseball? Like he might be the best pitching prospect in baseball. It's possible. I like Forrest Whitley a lot too, but um, but is it? But it's close. But none of this really matters because, as you said, the Tigers have no incentive to do anything but let him you know force his way up, like you know, like make them move him up, you know. And I think you're right. I think that I think he could go into Toledo already this season. I would like to see him have a couple more starts in Erie for sure. But I think a lot of it's going to have to do with how much the Toledo staff gets run through because of the Tigers. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's just so many problems like between the you know the major league roster and the AAA roster right now as far as pitching goes that you can't just like put Casey Mize in there and then you know what like you know the Tigers need a starter. You know who, you know what are you going to do? Um, they actually kind of need to probably sign some kind of a veteran starter right now, the way things are looking. Um, Bartolo! And, and, yeah, Bartolo, please. Um, I don't know. There's also like Josh Tomlin. I got, there's like some dudes like that at the AAA level. Um, Bartolo obviously would be the most fun, although I, I really don't know how he's pitching. But yeah, they kind of need to take somebody like that and stash him down there with like Nick Ramirez and Funkhauser, Burroughs and... I guess Ryan Carpenter, since they just can't seem to quit Ryan Carpenter. Um, and, and yeah, and it, it just doesn't leave the room for that sort of thing. So, yeah, I would just let Mize pitch, um, pitch at Erie, and, you know, reassess things around, like, the All-Star break. Like, if he's just, I mean, if he's just mowing through everybody and not even being touched um, and not learning anything, yeah, then, you know, then I don't know what to say. Like, at a certain point, you can't just, like, keep a guy down there when they know they should be in the, in the major leagues. Like, it, it, yeah. it can breed some bad blood. Um, it can it can kind of lead to you know some some laxitude as far as attitude. Um, Casey Mice doesn't seem like he's going to have any problems no. with that, but you just and don't he's, know. He's so young. I don't think that there's going to be any of the embitterment about him. Like, oh, they're keeping me down here, service time, blah blah blah. I mean, like they literally just drafted him. Yeah. So I mean, he he's going to have a meteoric rise through the minors, regardless of how we look at it. Yeah. Like. He's going to either be up in two, in you know, a year and a half or two years from like the time he was signed. Like it's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, um, he's going to be up. He, he's going to be pitching in the major leagues next year, probably by May at the latest. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty sure of that. But yeah, they yeah, got to get that first year ahead of me on my estimate. But <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think that they'll hold off on him until 21. But I I don't know, and I I think he could be a fifth starter right now. I easily, but. I th- I think he needs a little bit more time. Yeah, yeah, and they're gonna you know they're gonna want to give him that. I mean, a lot of it too is like not just the pitching; it's just like pitching every fifth day, getting getting used to the travel and the competition level and and the type of hitters you're facing. But yeah, honestly, like I'm not sure that Casey Mize couldn't be like a number two or number three like very soon. Like he just well, he's just that dude who's like already you know he's already that good. He's already you yeah. know kind of got all the refinement. Like, there's all these little things, like, when Matt Manning, you know, finally gets a base runner in a game, you can see him take a little bit to get used to pitching out of the stretch, whereas Casey Mize, like, switches into that and out of it, you know, really seamlessly. There's just all those little all those little refinements that, that you know, make a, a good pitching prospect into, you know, a really seasoned pro who controls every aspect of the game, and he even has all that that stuff down like I hate to like I'm not the type to like gush very very much no um, I know but yeah I mean I I was and I'm obviously like I still think Matt Manning's gonna be better and I'm the, the Matt Manning hawk but man I was I was a little short you're a Matt Manning stan and you always have been yep exactly from the very beginning that was that's my favorite draft pick they've made in a long long time so see in my other thing about Casey Mize and it, this also goes for Alex Fiedo and for Matt Manning and I really want those guys to have more time with Jake Rogers. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would really like to see that kind of partnership and that squadron type of atmosphere really develop a little bit more because I, I also think that Jake Rogers could be in Toledo already. Yeah, he could. That's um, <laughs> true. And I, I would really like to see kind of that unit form a more cohesive like understanding of each other yeah, and then kind of move their way up because I, we've already seen with Grayson Griner that you can have a guy with very little major league experience kind of just get slotted in there and do okay. Yep. 
And I mean, a lot of that's probably just because he's a he's a tower of a human being. <laughs> yeah, with a droopy dog, droopy dog face on an ogre body. Ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas you'll get Rogers up there, and Rogers is what like five six or something. I, like the, I, yeah, I know. I, I don't know how tall he is, but he is compact. That's a good. That's a nice um, way to put it. But he's yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm really excited to see that whole group kind of come up as a unit and so for that reason i'd really like to have at least my spend a little bit more time there and at some point i'd kind of like to see them get brought up at the same time honestly yeah i kind of agree with that like you know jake rogers like it it was okay with me that you know that they figure you know he needs to refine his hitting a little bit more and and try to cut down the strikeouts and try to you know take a little step there before they bring him up to Toledo but yeah like for me like mid-season this year like Mize Manning and and Rogers um just just all other considerations aside but like their development I think they should be up like I think Fido needs more time um than either of those two but but definitely that that group of those three guys I would like to see at Toledo by July, and I would like to I would like to see them maybe not Manning. We'll just see how it goes. But the other two, I would like to see get like a taste of Detroit. I really like to see guys get that like just that September. feel. Yeah, just that little feel of it. Like okay, you know, you you pitched a couple games, they took care of your innings and didn't work you very much, but at least you get that that sense of it. You know that that feeling of like leveling up and going through everything for the first time. So that next spring, you know, they can all compete for jobs. And if yep. the Tigers are smart, they will kind of slow play them for a month or two and and see how things go because they're going to need depth anyway. But, um, but yeah, that, that's kind of how I'd like to see it go. And I, I totally agree on trying to keep that group sort of, sort of together as much as possible. You know, it's funny. I was, like, very ready to write Alex Fajardo off before this season. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I wasn't impressed. I didn't think he was going to, I didn't think he was going to make it. Honestly, I didn't think he he had the major league stuff, um, and he's been really impressive so far this year. Yeah, he had that. Yeah, he just had that one start. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'd agree he's been good. But I, I'm totally with you. Like, I still I regard Alex Fajardo as like a whole step down um, from from those other two. Like, not a shot at him or anything, but like all the he's just the same guy that that they drafted. Like, um, he doesn't extend very well. His fastball doesn't play very well. He's got a pretty good slider. His control is, is quite good. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously an advanced college pitcher who pitched under a lot of pressure and big games and all that stuff. So he's got that going for him. But, yeah, I still kind of look at him sort of like how I look at, you know, like Bo Burrows or, or Kyle Funkhauser, like probably going to end up being a reliever um, is, mm-hmm. is going to be the best way to go. Um, but, yeah, but it's nice to have the two. I'll, I'll take the big two, and then, God, if we could, if they could just figure out a way to keep Franklin Perez healthy. I guess he's been throwing in extended spring training games a little bit. So he has been working, but um, but I, he's only made, like, three appearances at any point before having to get shut down again since we got him. So that, that's starting to become kind of an unnerving situation there. But, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if they can, if they're going to change things. Maybe it's his conditioning. Um you know, Casey Mize doesn't exactly have like what I would describe as like the the kind of mechanics that make me think he's going to be super healthy and and pitch 200 innings for 10 seasons or anything like that. Um, but if you take really good care of yourself and like monitor yourself well and do everything right in the off season, it seems like those those things do pay dividends. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. And he's obviously a smart guy. That was the other thing we both kind of talked about a lot in spring training is like hearing him describe like his his process of pitch development yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he was he was ahead of most prospects by a lot. Hearing him talk about his you no know, hitter to the press yesterday was like this kid feels seasoned. Yeah, like he did. He, he wasn't like oh, I just want to go out there and win games, go team. Like he was very specifically calling out players who made great defensive plays by name and by play like he was making it very clear that he was aware of what was happening yeah and like he he was willing to give credit where it was due he was very willing to put himself on the line and be like you know what i wasn't doing this very well and this wasn't working for me and i'll admit it was because i was nervous but like rogers had my back and i'm like this guy he's not going to be you know somebody going out there throwing somebody under the bus for not catching uh, you know, a, a, an outfield play, or he's he's got a lot of poise, and it was very impressive to hear that yesterday. Yeah, and he's really, you can tell he's really, you know, he believes in himself. He knows, you know, he's going to pitch in the major leagues as long as he stays healthy, God, God willing, and um, and wasn't that impressed. Like, you know, 
he did say like you know when he threw the no hitter for Auburn um, last spring, basically about this same time, almost last year, you know that he didn't enjoy it as much as he maybe should have. You know he he was sort of like okay, but I got to keep the season going, so he was going to try to enjoy this one. But by the same token, I mean you're right. You could tell there was no sense of like oh I've arrived or oh I've you know I've achieved something. Like it was just you know he took it just like another step. You know like okay you know yeah you know it went good and <laughs> and that was cool because you could be. Even though we would probably suspect that he is that guy, um, in your first start, like having just come up there, not necessarily knowing everybody very well, not knowing Mike Robello, the manager or the pitching coach very well, knowing that Alavila and Jim Leland and God knows who else are all on the stands to see your first start, um, it could have been easy to, to just get kind of get carried away with, with yourself and like what you did in that game. And he wasn't that way at all. Um, and, th- and that was great. And I think that's kind of a testament to like the, the coaching at Auburn, um, who, who seemed to be really really good group over there and he was he was definitely a leader there and he kind of gave that that same feeling and that's the same feeling um for for whatever his flaws are like Alex Faito is very similar that way and that's something that Matt Manning is kind of good at but Matt Manning never really had that experience of like you know going through three years of college all with all with the same guys you know he's always been the man wherever he went he's the guy that everybody is most interested in seeing um and yet that hasn't seemed to spoil him necessarily either but there's a leadership quality and, and sort of a, um, a more, just a more mature feel okay. about like the whole, how they t- talk about their whole team um, among the two guys who, you know, who were star college pitchers in the SEC. Um, th- there is, you know, there is some mental edge, I think there. So, yeah. So anyway, I mean, it was, it was great. There's, um you know, we, we can go on and on about it and we probably will keep, <laughs> keep going on and on about it, but um, it's just one start and you know, it's it's all sort of still just the beginning of the road, but um, but yeah, it was just neat to see everybody kind of have a thing to rally around and get excited about, um, and make horrifically awful takes as a result of, um, because that was uh, that was a special special part of, of the the, out, the aftermath of Casey Mize's no hitter. Was everybody talking about like you know like he only needs a few up. more starts, call him up, you know, tra- trade for this guy, like maybe you know maybe we're gonna be in there and we can make a run at a wild card in the second half and we'll call him up. No, yeah, nah, 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 son, nah. You know, even even Justin Verlander took, you know, well, all right, Justin Verlander was called up really quick too, <laughs> but he did get a year in the minor leagues, um, and so you know, giving Casey Mize this this year in the minor leagues makes makes sense, even though he's probably more advanced than Justin Verlander was by a good bit, um, at this point. He gives me some JV vibes, and I don't mean like in his pitch delivery or anything like that. Like his his raw skill, yes. But, like, just how he presents himself. Yeah. Like, Verlander's always been really poised, I found. And, like, I I get that same kind of, like, quiet confidence. Yeah. Like, an awareness of your own ability without, like, having to be really, like, in your face about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Casey Mize strikes me as the kind of guy who will just let his pitching speak for itself. Yep. And he's kind of got that, you know, he's got that Alabama... Uh, you know, very like Matthew McConaughey is who he reminds me of. If I close my eyes, um, kind of, kind of languid speaking voice, you know. So, yeah, all good stuff. Um, and yeah, you know, and and Matt Manning too. Like all those, all those guys. You know, Matt Manning. You know, I, I didn't. I hope nobody took that as like any kind of shot or like he isn't as mature or something like that. He, in his own way, is almost like more more closed off and I think possibly that's because his dad was was a pro basketball player and he kind of saw a lot of that stuff up front he's the one who seems the most like reserved and like maybe he'll relax into a little bit more of that role the way like Mize and, and Fayedo do where you know there's just a little bit more comfort with what they're saying and they're not as worried about saying the wrong thing I kind of get the feeling from Matt that he you know he doesn't want to say the wrong thing and he doesn't really want to talk about it anyway <laughs> so yeah, yeah, just a different vibe there, and very different stuff. Like, I mean, it's also neat to just think about like the combination of of pitch pitches and styles that Matt Manning and Casey Mize have. So, hopefully, um, hopefully, there's your one two in the tw- I don't know second half of 2020 rotation, and and for years and years beyond. Because, um, yep, things are going well on that score. We just need to find a whole bunch of bats. <laughs> I don't know where those are going to come from. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to tell you. But yeah, yeah, it'll be tough on the bats. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, you know, well, one thing that is going on is that, um, you know, Nick and Miggy have both started kind of swinging it a little better. Like, Nick homered in uh, Boston around the pesky pole, hit the pesky pole, like, last week, and then Nick and Miggy both homered against the White Sox. Um, you know, Miguel seems to be getting a hit or two every game. He's still getting overpowered by fastballs in a somewhat disconcerting fashion, but almost everybody is nowadays. So I don't know how much to take of that, but the offense does seem to be kind of, kind of starting to come back around a little bit there. They broke out in a couple games against the White Sox. Um, and then we just had the bullpen meltdown on Saturday where we saw all kinds of weird crap. Like that was one of the weirdest recaps I've, I've ever written where I was just sort of like, what in the is happening in this game? Yeah, Jose Abreu like run past Tim Anderson after hitting a home run and ended up being out, and then we were all scrambling to figure out like how the hell does the official scorer like deal with that? Like, <laughs> there's just so much weird, so many weird things that went on in that game, and it seems like whenever we play the White Sox, like it just gets weird. It's there's always one game against the White Sox where neither team looks like they can play. The defense is bad. Like the the bullpen work is bad. It's just a just a mess. I, don't know. I mean, that's why they do it intentionally, right? So you'll actually watch those games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Keep us, uh, keep us engaged. The White Sox also. There's something about the White Sox where they are the. I swear they are the worst team about cha- challenging I've ever seen in my life. Like they, they miss challenges all the time. They did. They were two in that series where they should have challenged and just didn't, and and let the play go. Ah, man. I don't know. I'm still skeptical of the the White Sox, and people are always like, oh, but. They've got all these prospects and this and that, but yeah. Ah, if you asked me like two years ago, I would have been like, the White Sox would have been in contention this year, is what I would have thought. Like, they really went all in and they did get a great pack of prospects and they made some big trades to get there. Yeah. Um, but now I kind of just don't know. Yeah, it just never quite seems to come together over there. There's just always a little bit of a little bit of a weird vibe. Like, um, you know, I liked I liked Tim Anderson. He's a pretty good player. There was a great profile. Um, in Sports Illustrated on Tim Anderson, actually, um, and kind of like, yeah, that was awesome. One complaint about that article, and it's probably been fixed since. Who was that? Uh, Stephanie they, Stephanie Epstein from yeah, SI. Yeah, they she sure did uh, say that Jackie Robinson Day in baseball was because of his birthday, and not because it was the day he made his major league debut. Oh, oh no. Yeah, she's like, they wear his number to celebrate his birthday. And I'm like, Stephanie, no. No. I, man, I breathe, I must have breathed right over that. I didn't even see it. It's, it was really subtle. Like, it was just a line in there. And I'm like, no, that is wrong. Yeah. They may have fixed it because I know a couple people have called her out on it. Oh, like, poor thing. <laughs> I bet that's well, fun. It's wrong. <laughs> well, that's like, true. But there's nothing worse than being a female sports writer who makes even the slightest mistake. Because, you know, it's just like hell out there. <laughs> Yes, this is me you're talking to. I know. I fact check things I know that I know. Just to be sure. Names. I'm just like, if I'm referring to somebody, I'm like, oh, I can't get this one wrong. And yeah, I triple, double and triple check things. And then I end up like reversing the scores when I do a recap. (laughs) So that's where I spell Houston wrong, which absolutely happened once when I wrote an article. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I cannot finish anything without one weird, silly-ass error in there. Like, it doesn't matter how many times I read it over. This is the value of editing, people, if you're listening. Um, because if you turned it over to your editor, you know, site, you know, having just written it and not even looked at it, it would come out better than if you tried to edit it yourself, like, five times, I swear. It's yes, just the way it is. Even though we are editors, yeah, it's true. You don't see your own mistakes, because you you know what you're trying to say. Yep, you just... So fit. your brain just automatically correct. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, but yeah, that was a good article. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Eloy Jimenez is, should be good, and Luis Robert looks pretty good, and I like Nick Madrigal, but they, I don't know. Madrigal. They had all these good players, you know, that they traded away to get these guys, and they couldn't win with those guys, so I don't know. I'll have to see. I'll have to see what happens Look, there. I'm happy about Casey Mize, but I'm still real sad we didn't get Nick Madrigal. Yeah, I still would, it would have been nice to figure out a way to get Nick Madrigal, too, because he's going be, to be a fun hitter to watch and probably a total irritant. I'm probably be mad yeah, about him forever. My wee baby Ian Kinsler. Yeah, he is. He is sort of a baby Ian Kinsler. 
Speaking of our boy Ian, though, um, yeah, it hasn't gone very well so far. <laughs> no, and I'm I was very pro rehiring Ian Kinsler in the offseason because um, we needed a second baseman and I'm like we had a good one of those he's a free agent now yep. and I mean it's not like our current um, second baseman is much better yeah I'm not sure it uh, would be a, a downgrade at least but it's not saying much it would be a wash actually I feel yeah. like we would at least have had more fun I mean no no, no hate to Josh Harrison but he's not doing very well and he, now he's on the IL so it's kind of a moot point but yep as leadoff hitters go. But yeah, Ian Kinsler currently currently holding a 24 WRC+. Plus. That is about 76% worse than league average. He does have two home runs and a steal. But um, yeah, you just kind of wonder. Like, he's about to turn 37. It kind of feels like maybe the gig is up, I'm afraid. In which case, the Tigers need to get him back as a coach, damn it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh my god, he'd be so much fun. Yeah, that's the kind of guy I like coaching. This is, that's that's exactly the type of guy. Because not only is he got kind of that like super intense, disciplined, like hard ass thing, but he's also like kind of a free thinker. Um, he's not not afraid to you know kind of look at look at you know his approach and his mental approach, which a lot of a lot of players don't get real creative about. But um, yeah, I don't know. I could see Ian Kinsler being a a valuable person to have around on your organization. I just don't know if he would want to want to do that and live in Michigan. He seems like a Arizona boy. I super duper can't wait for the day we get Alex Avila back. Yeah, you know that's happening. That's that. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we need that to happen and then we can fire Al Avila. But once we got to get Alex in there though for... Yeah, and I think it'll be like a Gerald Laird kind of thing where they get him in at like Erie or even at Toledo. Um, But man, I think that I honestly... Honestly, and this isn't just me being like a big Alex Avila fan, which I am unapologetically. Like he's maybe a year away from being done. Yeah, I would say at a major league level, and he is just the kind of exact cut of what you want in a manager. Like for starters, catchers make amazing managers because they already know how to call a game. Yeah, that's just fact like the bulk of major league managers have been catchers in their career yep um and he just he seems to have such a great head for it and i don't know he's quiet soft-spoken dude but i think he would just be an absolutely killer major league manager yeah i think so too yeah i mean he's just he's just a guy who just sees the game like really well i think um and, and you know and you know, that's. I guess there's always the problem of like, oh, nepotism and blah blah blah. I, I don't but know. I mean, we're like five years away at least from Alex Avila being even remotely considered for a major league management role. Like, well, yeah, you would think. God, I, don't, I don't see Al Avila continuing to be the general manager for the Tigers five years from now. Yeah, but yeah, getting Alex in as a as a catching coach and then maybe going from there. Um, he's only played in six games so far. Um, he's he's the backup in Arizona, but he does yeah. have a 228 WRC plus, <laughs> which That's is serious. real good. Oh yeah, pocket. Yeah, he only played a few games, but he was mashing. Like he he hit two home runs one game, and I think he's got a couple doubles in another. So you know when he, when he's making contact, it's it goes a long way. He was solid in the Chicago two years ago. Like I was outraged. I I know I told this story last year on the podcast, but I'm telling it again. Um, a friend of mine went to Arizona to see a Diamondbacks game, and I'm like, bring me back an Avila jersey because that would be a lot of fun. And the girl per- working at the store apparently looked at my friend like he was insane when he asked for an Avila jersey, <laughs> like as if she had no idea. And I'm like, how? How? How rude. Well, I mean, it's the same thing. I wanted a Willie Adamas jersey when I was in Tampa Bay last year, and they didn't have them. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm surprised. Because at that point, he'd only, I think I was there in, I don't know, end of May, and he'd only been up for like a week. He had that one like hit against Chris Sale, and they sent him back down. Oh, yeah. And so he wasn't even playing when I was there, but I'm like, give to me a Willie Adamas jersey. <laughs> and now, of course, he's the starting shortstop, so I could probably get a jersey if I wanted it. I'm just outraged that nobody ever has the shirts I want. Uh, I know you're going to have to start your own shirt company. I got a few but, ideas. I gotta say, at least the signing of Scott Boras and uh, Nick Castellanos means I don't have to shell out for a Castellanos jersey like I promised I would if he got an extension. <laughs> yep, doesn't seem like it's coming, does it? No. Nope. Today, I definitely considered whether or not it would be a good investment to just buy myself a Mize jersey now. Yeah. Yep. 
they're out there. I, I I know that. Well, I know that Eerie Siebel's have all kinds of Mize and Manning both merchandise, but I don't. I think the Tigers might have a Mize jersey already. I don't know. What I have to look. What number is he? Uh, I can't even remember. I don't even know. I don't pay attention to numbers. That's a, that's a problem for me. Other than like you know, Lou Whitaker is one. Alan Trammell is three. You know, Justin Verlander is thirty-five. It's like I, I don't know. Bill Freehand's 11. Was he? Oh, that's good. That's good to know. I'm going to get myself a Bill Freehand jersey this year, I think. Oh, that would be cool. That's a cool uh, I know. One. They have, like, vintage ones and, like, not, like, an actual, like, game-worn vintage, but I can get, like, a good vintage one for, like, 180 bucks or something. Ooh. And I'm like, that's one that would just legit be good forever. Yeah. Like, seasons come what they may, right? But, like, as players come and go, I'm never going to not be a Bill Freehand fan. Yeah, and you just bust it out for, like, you know, special days at the ballpark. Like, if you happen to be at, you know, some ceremony or something, yeah. Bam. Yeah, I think it's like a, I think it's like a 1969 Freehand jersey, yes. like, stylized, or I'm like, yeah. The 50th anniversary. Need to get myself a 69 Freehand jersey. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I think I might do that this year. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Oh, all right. Let's. I just wanted to touch on like a couple like little things I'm saying. Like um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has has arrived. He is in the major leagues now. Didn't know. Yeah. Everyone can calm down. There was like all these like cute tribute from Vladimir Guerrero himself, and you know about ra- raising him up to be this player and stuff. And so far, he's he's done fine. Looked good at third base, or at least you know acceptable. Uh, but but hasn't lit the world on fire yet, so you know everybody can settle down. June first, I think, to be the youngest, the youngest Jays player, or like the youngest prospect, no, youngest Jays player, I think, to hit a home run. Um, so he still has a little time to make mm. history there. Yeah, uh, that's gonna happen. I, I I will bet all my money. I will bet everything I own that that will happen. <laughs> yeah, I would be shocked if he didn't hit a home run in the next month. That would be yeah real. It's probably more likely that he hits 10. So, yeah, I mean, he's a beast. And especially the way the ball is flying. Like, Christian Yelich has 14 home runs. I think Cordy Bellinger has 14 home runs, and we've only played a month. Um, you know, multiply those times six. I don't know what's going on. It's terrifying. Um, was that somebody was saying today that, like, the Orioles have more home runs against right now like they had they're on track i think to give up something like 382 home runs this season. oh my god yeah that <laughs> is would, like, bad scenario history oh like, wow yeah i mean if you know i guess if somebody's gonna you know gonna clear 70 again this this is the time um there was a great article in baseball america about how triple a level they're gonna start they're using the major league ball this this year now finally and home runs are, are not before? Nope, you know, major league, minor league balls were all made, you know, separately and in their own whatever, their own plant or something. And um, but they started using the major league ball and home and the ball is flying out of the fucking park everywhere. Um, some dude named Van Meter who I'd never even heard of yesterday hit three home runs against the the Mud Hens. Like it's yeah, it's our it's it's taken over the minor leagues. The the home run rage continues. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, CC Sabathia tonight hit three thousand strikeouts which is awesome um that he's only the 17th player in history yeah to ever do that that's cool jv should be a uh, should be there in another year or two yeah somebody was saying like uh felix hernandez um he's got like something like 20 you know 2400 or something and somebody's like what will it take for him to get to 3000 and somebody replied with the literal number and i'm like well rude but that's also it's not going to happen given how felix has kind of fallen off of a cliff yeah um, maybe he could convert to relief or something but like <laughs> yeah well i don't i mean maybe he could convert to relief or something but he'd he have to go last year yeah that's they, true they put him in the pen last year and it didn't really like bolster his ability any yeah yeah I, yeah it is pretty hard to see him going for like another six six years it's really it's kind of hard to see him going for more than another year or two really the way he's, yeah, he's pitching that's where yeah i don't think i see much yeah. much longer than the next year or two for him which We're, is sad i mean it is it's so normal like you know I, because we had justin verlander so long and he's on my brain and has kind of taken over as sort of like the standard like i, I misjudge <laughs> like where players are all the time and in, in terms of like what what is reasonable what, and what you should be able to expect but um you know felix, yeah. felix has had an awesome career it just sucks that he never really got to pitch like in the postseason and have like these big games when he was still good i hate that i hate that so much when a, when a great player not doesn't be your metric for other pitchers. no but but i mean when i think of like the the greatest pitchers of like the last five yeah. or ten years like obviously felix is in that list and you know verlander and kershaw from here at the top 
And but because of that, I tend to think like, ah, oh, you know, he's Felix is only thirty one, and it's just like no, thirty one for most people is you know starting starting to wear out, especially because Felix started pretty young. So, well, it is funny when you say that though, because you look at the guys who were just dynamite at the same time that Verlander was maybe in that 2012, 2013 season, like those insane years. Yeah. Um, and like you look at the Chris Sales and the Felixes and the even the David Prices. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to see how they've all kind of Adam Wainwright fall off yeah uh like the jordan zimmerman yeah even in that time frame was lights out and you have guys yeah like verlander and also like max scherzer who were good then and have progressively actually gotten better somehow which is insane yeah it is insane Um, but it's it's really weird to see those contemporaries of theirs slowly hit their decline yeah everybody but zach grinky who just won't stop and is still hitting too <laughs> he's a monster. He's a weird and one. I, I feel like I feel like Justin Verlander's gonna like Nolan Ryan his way into retirement where he's just gonna be good until he stops doing it. Yeah, you know, I watched him uh I watched him last night against the twins and I mean it's just easy ninety five to ninety seven, just blowing everybody away, no problem. It was it was such a classic Justin Verlander start in that what was it? I hear Adrianza hit a solo shot. And that was the only hard hit ball, and other, otherwise he just mowed everybody down. There's always that one. There's yeah. always that one scrub that manages to flick one out of the park against him, <laughs> and he's just owning everybody. It's like it's like part of his his over, as it were. Well, it's really <laughs> fascinating to me too because we saw those two two ish really rough years he had in Detroit. Yeah. And to now know that those were just a direct result of like poorly treated injury. Yeah that like just had him kind of like sidelined just to imagine how much better he could have been in those two years if he'd gotten the proper help that he needed right at the beginning yeah and it also kind of i mean it makes sense that we that we have these assumptions that when you a pitcher gets to like you know early 30s like you start figuring like ah eh, you know it's about to go um and that makes sense but I mean, people just slept so hard. Like, he was, you know, he had 2014. It was a problem. Like, it didn't look good. And then he was injured to start 2015. But after, like, five or six starts in 2015, he was awesome again. <laughs> he was the best pitcher in the American League after the, the All-Star break that year. And I just think people people forget. Like, I, and I'm obviously, like, the most nagging, like, Justin Verlander honk. So I will point it out to people. Like, no, he wasn't bad for two years. He was bad for, like, one year. And then, you know, and then he had a little injury. That was the first time he, and the only time he's ever been on the disabled list. Only time he's ever missed starts in his entire freaking career, throwing 100, but doing doing all the JV things. And then he was great again, and he's been awesome ever since. And uh, it's the damnedest thing, really. You just wonder, like, is there something, you know, can, can they test him? Can he, you know, can we donate Justin Verlander to science somehow? Like, <laughs> what the hell's going on there? Like, how is his shoulder and, and elbow, like, hold up so cleanly? I don't know. Some this sort is... of deal with the devil has been made at some point in Justin Verlander's life because that's the only way to explain how perfectly blessed his existence appears on the outside. I know, like his daughter is cute. Like, uh, excuse me, while I married to a Kate Upton. <laughs> yeah, he's got like you know he has multiple properties just to hold his other properties. <laughs> yeah. I know he's it's insane. He's hashtag blessed. He is. He's blessed. He's living a living a blessed life, and then you know, and saving dogs at the same time. What an asshole! <laughs> Helping veterans. I know. Apparently, I learned yeah. this the other day. Kate Upton's sister is the one who runs the like Dogs for Veterans Foundation. Oh, that's cool. That Verlander and Kate Upton help out with. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like the one that they like promote so heavily. Apparently, her sister runs that, and I just found that out the other day, and I was like, wow, what a amazing family yeah that is cool but it's also smart to like keep it in the you know to kind of keep things close because you know there's always people out there looking to screw you i'm sure i'm sure ben verlander will end up with a job in the in the the up verlander organization at some point probably yeah yeah it's gotta gotta find something for that young man to do (laughs) tweeting seems to like doing that a whole bunch yep i mean you know really good baseball player not not good enough to make the majors but really good you know we'll we'll see what uh what ben's up to next he was uh i think he was dating alessandra deodario like briefly for so (laughs) seriously kudos for that jesus (laughs) yeah so, Dare I say <laughs> out of my league? Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's about the week's news. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot else to get into. I'm, I'm beat. I think I'm good. 
No, I mean, we spent like 45 minutes just gushing about Casey Mize, so I feel like that was a good amount of Tiger's content. Yeah, I think that'll work. Um, let's see, what were the new videos this week? I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh my? Except for the lingo. I know there was a lingo one, because we were talking about that. Yeah. Last week it was Rain Delays, uh, Perfect Games, No Hitters and Maddoxes, very fitting for yeah. Casey Mize. Nailed it. And Can of Corn was the lingo lesson last week. Um, and then this week, just Tuesday, was posted um, the basic pitching statistics. Oh, yeah. So, like, ERA, FIP, WHIP, and all of that. On when on Thursday, the first episode of my new history series will go up. Um, and so that's going to be doing the 10-minute histories of teams and players and events and so because i'm bad at the alphabet the first team that gets an episode is the atlanta braves <laughs> and not the arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> um but yeah so the atlanta braves episode will go up on thursday and then on saturday i believe uh tin stop is the uh, uh, yeah. phrase of the week which is very fitting given how much we have discussed pitching prospects in this episode yeah yeah for sure yep that's a must a must do all right, well, very cool. And as far as blessyouboys.com itself goes, we're going to have, um, you know, we're kind of getting to the point where we can start kind of doing some analysis. Um, there's starting to be a little bit of a data piled up. Um, I'm probably going to write about the Nick Castellano-Scott Boris thing. I started to, and then I was mad, and I just stopped. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I might finish that up. But, um, but yeah, the analysis will start coming. I'm going um, to try to put uh, a little GIF article together and kind of compare and contrast Casey Mize and Matt Manning's stuff a little bit, um, so we can talk about that. And then, I don't know, maybe later on this week I'm going to try to, um, it may be Keenan Carter, we'll see. Um, I'm going to try to put something together and do like a little bit of a minor league, you know, one month in type of wrap-up, and we'll, which will probably be heavily dominated by Casey Mize talk there as well. So, those, nice. that's the plan. Um, tell tell the, the beautiful people about our Patreon hey, while we're still awake. Yeah, everybody should, um, you know, I mean, really, like, what could possibly be a reason for not going to www.patreon.com but that, <laughs> backslash bless you boys and, do, <laughs> and donating some money over there. Um, you know, that would, that would really help us out. Um, yeah, if you could contribute and do a little bit of a, like, an, a monthly... level thing over there that would really help us out. Um, It helps us, what it really helps us to do is kind of float a little bit of money to a lot of people who provide a lot of like the minor league coverage and a lot of sort of like the specialty type coverage where we can't have someone on this like all year long. Um, But covering, you know, the draft and, you know, like the, the top 30 guys as they're being projected um, doing, getting some of the coverage from Lakeland and around the farm system. It does help out with all of that. Um, so if you can go to Patreon and donate a little bit there to us, we would greatly appreciate it. And I think that's about it. Um, otherwise you can follow Ashley at 90 feet from home on Twitter. You can follow me at Fiscadoro 74 on Twitter, and I will try to get back at you guys later this week with another episode. Ashley, have a good evening. Brandon, <laughs> you too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.